Good morning so far, right? Yeah, it's like, like there's life or something. You know, I don't know what the big deal is about mass. They got mass singers on TV. So why not mass preachers and mass parishioners? And I don't win any million dollar prize though or whatever they, goofy stuff they do. Anyhow, I'm going to take it off to preach. Is that all right? Yeah. I'm totally vaxxed. Anyway, so, and I have other issues too, by the way. <laughs> oh, my word, how fun. So, Christmas. This is Christmas Sunday, believe it or not, even though it's like at the end of the week. And uh, a great day to worship. And we are finishing our Advent series, you know, anticipating the coming of the Savior. So we had carols to the King. And when I knew we were going to do this, um, I claimed immediately, hark the herald angels sing. And you're going to see why as uh, I unpack it a little bit. And I hope you just sang it. I hope you, were you listening? Were you, anybody out there processing the words and not just, you know, it's a nice tune. Amen, brother. Now you're preaching. I, can I get a witness? Uh, you know, it really is true. Uh, we were praying earlier just about, you know, we, we opened our doors yesterday for folks and we're so glad so many came and uh, would have loved to have double that. But, hey, they came and, uh, you know, people are doing some are doing well, some not so well. And we were praying earlier and I was pondering how the scripture says the government will be upon his shoulders and how we need to be under that government. It puts our house in order, it puts our life in order, it puts our finances in order, it puts our relationships in order. If we're under his law, under his good authority. Does that make sense? And so you see chaos in people's lives and it's like they need a savior. For here, not to mention where we're all going, thanks be to God. I got the word that the real estate there is better than here. Location, location. Location. You wait. You got two weeks to wait, pal. I got... All right. We have a lot of fun. We really do. So before I look at the scripture, what, my, what I, I chose as a title was Hark Already. Anybody, yeah, we don't use the word hark anymore, do we? Hark. Hark. I hear a lark. You know, hark. Meaning, listen up. And uh, we sing this song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Listen. The, har- the angels are singing, but um, we don't know that they were singing, but they were glorifying God, that's for sure. And uh, we say hark, but we don't always hark. Anybody know what I mean? Like, you know, if, do you have Christmas special favorite mu- movies you got to watch? Not enough of you guys need to get saved, okay? So... So I've already told you I love Scrooge, you know, that story with George C. Scott. I love Ralphie. That's a real spiritual one, you know, with the BB gun. But there are different films. But how about Charlie Brown? You know, and, the, and I get choked up every time. Lioness says, I'll tell you what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And he reads, he's, he recites from memory the very passage we're going to look at. And we, we watch the film, and it goes in one ear and out the other, right? Oh, isn't that cute? It's Charlie Brown. All of a sudden, when they realize that's what Christmas, they're all peaceful and harmonious, just like real Christians in churches. Yeah. Anyway, you get what I'm saying. 
And it goes on. And so songs, if we think about them, can help us to process and think about what is it that we're saying and, and uh, singing. And so for our last Advent, I'm going to talk about Hark the Herald Angels Sing. But before we do, our missionaries, our CB missionaries, uh, the Wilsons, have sent to the church and to us personally a uh, Tidings of Comfort and Good Joy devotional book by Mark Yarborough, who's president at Dallas Seminary. And uh, how can you go wrong? The foreword is by Chip Ingram. I mean, everybody likes him. Okay, maybe not. So, in this book, I've, I've done this before, but this is a new one, so I'd like to upgrade. You know, before I exit, I'd like to upgrade. We have a Christmas exam. So, we're going to take a test today. Yes, we're taking a Christmas exam this morning. If you take your bulletin, you'll see on the back there's... The Christmas exam has three lines there, and I'm going to give you a hint. Well, I'm going to tell you several things. One, you can't fail this class. You can do lousy on the test, but you can't fail the test. You can't fail the class, all right? I don't want you to fail the ultimate test. That's why we're talking about Hark the Herald Angels Sing today. But um, this quiz has 15 questions. So I'm giving you a head. I'm, giving, I'm letting you cheat a little. There's only four that have biblical answers. Huh? How much room do you need? <laughs> Two on a line and you have an extra in case God gives you something good this morning. You can write it down. See, you can't beat me at this game. Trust me. Okay. So here's the Christmas exam. Ready? Which angel told Mary to name the baby Jesus, and where was she when he appeared? How many say Gabriel? You would be right. Where was she? At home. Don't pull that on me. That's cheating. Do you know where she was? Right, it was Nazareth. Very good. Okay, that's one. So now I gave away that one of the one of the biblical. Now you only got three left. Three, sir. Three, 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 sir. How did Joseph learn of the name? See, I knew the gift of tongues would manifest eventually when I taught on it. How many say Gabriel? How many say an angel? How many say his fiance? Nope, it's an angel, no name. No name. That's two, you only got two more. All right, here we go. Since she was pregnant, what animal did Mary ride into Bethlehem? How many say donkey? How many say camel? How many say Uber? <laughs> Doesn't say. That can't be right. Everything I've ever seen has her on a donkey. Guess what? They, the Chosen. They didn't have movies back then. Okay. You're going to get me all riled up here, folks. Or maybe I'm riling myself up. Okay. How soon after they reached Bethlehem was Jesus born? No, I'm not going to change the question. Who said, well, well, well. 
How soon? It doesn't say. Are you sure? I need more done. I mean, I need some faith in the room here. We need some faith. No, it doesn't say. It could have been six weeks. It could have been three weeks. Anyway, they were stuck in town. But apparently, it was probably pretty soon. Why? Because they were looking for accommodations. It was a last-minute thing, apparently. So probably maybe within a couple of days. So anyway, we don't know, though. What type of building slash structure was Jesus born in? How many say a manger? A manger is a feeding trough. She wasn't born in a feeding trough. They laid him in a manger. That is correct, future brother, pastor, and whatever God does with you, brother. All right, so yeah, not a manger. Who's, I heard cave out there. Stable, cave, Holiday Inn, doesn't say, doesn't say, who said it, I didn't say that, you said that, I didn't say, okay, the point I'm making is it doesn't say, are you kind of getting the reason why we all need to hark, amen brother, sister, all right. What animals were present at the birth of Jesus? The ox and lamb kept time. Mice. Are we having fun yet? Dr. Ashley, do you think we can get this crowd under control or... It might require it. Well, I got three in the room right now, so. Oh, my gosh. It doesn't say. It doesn't say. Could probably guess. And by the way, it may be true that it was a stable. That would make sense. You know, there was no room in the inn, whatever. So he gave him some, some place. We don't know what kind of structure it was exactly. Okay, here we go. How many angels announced the birth of the Messiah to the shepherds? One, one angel said, and we're going to read it in a minute. I have good news for you, right? Then the choir showed up, but we don't know whether they did a narrative or whether they sang. It says they were glorifying God together. Probably singing, because I think heaven will have music. How about you? But anyway, one angel, that's number three. There's only one left. Let's see if we can guess which one it is. Where did the drummer boy stand at the manger? <laughs> Don't even answer that. As, as my administrative pastor up north used to say, I'm not going to dignify that with an answer. How many wise men came? <laughs> Three. No. We don't know. And most likely, it was a trail of them. It was probably a whole caravan. It's one of the things we always get wrong. Don't say anything! How many years have we been together? This is a, qu this is a quiz. You don't give the answers in class. 
I I almost had a heart attack there. I shouldn't say that, Jody. Sorry. Okay. Thankfully, her husband's going to be good. Thank you. Okay, so how many wise men? We don't know. Did Joseph meet the wise men? No. No. Doesn't say. I don't know. He was out getting McDonald's when they showed. We don't know. We don't know. What were the names of the wise men? Oh. Some of you know the traditions, right? Belshazzar, whatever those guys. Yeah, I saw the desecration. Anyway. Amal. Amal. No, no. You're waiting on pins and needles, aren't you? Here it comes. Where did the wise men first see Jesus? At their house. At whose house? I thought Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth. Thank you, but it does does tell us where they met him. Where did they worship the baby Jesus? Somebody already gave the answer. In the house. That's all we know. It's probably still Bethlehem because Herod sent, remember later, wipe out everybody, all the two-year-olds and under. That tragic story. So it's probably a relative's house or somebody in Bethlehem. But we don't totally know. We just know they met him in the house, not in the stable. All your manger setups are wrong. You should all repent. No, I'm kidding. It's, it's cute, right? When did the wise men see Jesus? We don't know, except we do know it was within that two-year window for sure. Or actually, probably a year. But anyway, all that's deduction. Who else beside the wise men saw the star? Probably everybody, but it doesn't say. Probably everybody, and some people would notice. Oh, here's a good one. How did the star compare in brightness with the other stars in the sky? Thank you. It doesn't say. Anybody ever find the North Star? Anybody do stargazing? It's not that bright. It's not like, oh, I, boy, I'm... My my ADD almost kicked in there. It's not the brightest, okay? Me especially. There you go. Okay, that was fun, right? So there are only four answers. No, what? Here's what happens. Okay, this is a sidebar sermon. Uh, Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, right? And let the word of God, the word of Christ, dwell in you richly. And then you'll have the data straight, which is why I, I used to love, in fact, this week at class, we're going to, you, you get, work him over already? Okay, he's going to work you over, your Bible teacher. We're going to do Q&A, and I'm going to, yeah, ask me anything. So, and I used to love that. It's a lot of fun because I always have people, doesn't the Bible say somewhere, blah, 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 and I go, no, it doesn't. I'm sure that's in the Bible. I can prove to you it isn't. And uh, you'll have to show me that. And people say, I have to have it this way, or the church shouldn't do that. And I go, could you show me where that is? And as long as we're on the subject, can you show me anywhere in the Bible where a command or something like that to put on a mask is a sin against God? How do you like that for meddling? Better be sure why we stand up for what we stand up for. But that is a sidebar issue for true disciples, my brothers and sisters. Don't you love a pain-in-the-neck pastor? Yes. Yes, we do. Sometimes. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Okay. 
What's that? As long as he's a pain in somebody else's. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's the truth. Okay, my brothers and sisters, we had our Christmas exam, my little quizito on Christmas. That was fun. But when it comes to angels, boy, there's no clearer text than the one we're about to read. And so I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. We don't do this very often. But the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, is the inspired word of God. God has spoken to us. Isn't that amazing? He has superintended down through the generations that all of the valuable data that we need to have in the Torah, in the prophets, was preserved for us and, and just about immaculately, which in itself is automatic, is a, almost a miracle, and um, has brought to us the word that we can rely on that gives life. We're born again through a living hope because of the word that was preached to us. So since it is the word of God, I do this once in a while. I'm going to ask you, if you can, you don't have to, to stand for the reading of the word of God. And we're going to start in Luke, the second chapter, starting in verse 8. And in the same region, there were some shepherds standing out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were scared to death, which is really what it says. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, not clothes, and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Just to be clear, it doesn't mean he's pleased with all men and women the way they are. Look at a different translation to help flesh it out. Add the next slide, please, if you would. The next, very next slide. And on earth, peace for those he favors. He is wanting shalom, God's well-being, for the human race who he is pouring his favor upon. Isn't that great? The word of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray while you're standing, just before you sit down. God, thank you again for the life eternally you've given us. I don't know why, and sometimes I'm dumbfounded, maybe a little confused. Why have some of us, why have we been chosen to receive life eternal when so many are still dwelling in the land of darkness? It's not fair. But it is just, and it is loving, and it is merciful and gracious. It's not because we're better than those other people. So, Lord, the only right response for us is to say thank you for your mercy in spite of how broken we are. Thank you for rescuing us. We pray these things, giving you thanks, and asking for you to give us, as Jesus would say to his Listeners, not as disciples only, but all of the listeners who were curious, some of them judgmental, some of them critical, some of them hungry. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you for obliging me on that. Amen. amen. 
I can't recognize anybody out there with these masks on. I'm kidding. Hark the Herald Angels Sing. That's the song I picked when we were kicking this around as staff. And uh, it came to my mind, very interesting. You know, when missionaries go to foreign lands, when they're, especially the days, and there still are a few areas in the world that have nothing about the gospel, right? Places, unreached people groups that uh, people like Wycliffe translators and others are trying to get missionaries to get to those locations. Well, when they get a foothold in a, in a country or in a, in a nation or a, a cultural group, they have two goals, and the first one is you want to get the Bible or portions of the Bible in their language, if you possibly can, right? So you get the Bible in their language. Does anybody know what comes next in, in the way of literature? Historically, you know, it's not a trick question. Hymn books. Hymn books. Because it is a tool for people to worship the Lord many times with their own cultural or national type of tunes. One of my favorite songs from revival teachings is from the, the late J. Edwin Orr, who was a scholar on the subject of revival and mission and all of that. And um, he wrote the song. Some of you older saints may remember, Search Me, O God, and Try My Heart Today. That is a Maori tune, you know, from the, from the islands out there. A Maori tune. It's a Nash. They they took these words. They put this poem to music, and uh, it became a great revival song. It's in our hymn book. I do believe. I do believe. So that will help you understand the writing of Charles Wesley, who wrote "Hark the Herald Angels Sing." You can see the tune is Mendel. Well, no, you don't have the hymn book in front of you. I've got a copy of it here. Mendelssohn's music. Charles Wesley, who was the brother of. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, great Bible teacher, organizer, really a, a, an apostle to the church, right? And uh, his brother got heavily into poetry and writing hymns. So let me read a little bit about that. I, I stole this uh, once in a while. They do get it right on the Internet. Be careful, though. Josh Longenecker from a church in Missouri. I would put money on it that it's a rooted in Wesleyism or uh, Methodism. Wesley, inspired by the sounds of London church bells while walking to church on Christmas Day, wrote Hark, a poem. A year after his conversion to be read on Christmas Day. And what happened then later is his brother, John Wesley, watching him develop all of his hymns, said that Charles's hymnal was the best theological book in existence. In 1753, George Whitfield, the great evangelist who came to America, by the way, who had such a wonderful accent, they always do, that he could make people weep at the sound of Mesopotamia. That's what they say anyway. A colleague of Wesley's adapted the poem into the song that we know today. But let me just read this one last comment, which I understand. His goal in writing hymns was to teach the poor and illiterate sound doctrine. So by how many of you still remember all the jingles from your childhood? Every Christmas, my kids demand, I get in my stocking a thing of good and plenty, and I have to sing, Once upon a time there was an engineer, Choo-choo Charlie is his name we... 
He used good and plenty. I don't know if this is right or wrong, Lord. I'm sorry, but... See what I mean? So, you say, oh, I can't memorize scripture and I can't... Re oh, yeah, you can. Just put it to a tune. And there's tons of it out there, and this is one of the classics if ever there was one. So, there's the background. And so we're going to look at this as we work our way through, if you would join with me in this little study. Out of Wesley's hymn come five points of theological truth. And so this is a Christmas theology this morning. That sounds awfully boring, but I hope it won't be completely boring to you. So let's start with verse 2. Christ by heaven, highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting. Did you do all four stanzas? I was busy getting dressed. Uh, you were playing the drums, you didn't even know. Did they do four stanzas? Sure. Yeah, whatever you say, okay. Christ by highest... Oh, boy, it's going to be a hard morning, okay. Christ, the everlasting Lord, late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh... The Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Please as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. God with us, right? Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Here's the scripture to back it up. I have at least one text for every point that will affirm it. And this, of course, has been held by evangelical Christians, Orthodox Christians for 2,000 years that Jesus was born of a virgin. It was a miraculous birth. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, the angel said to Mary, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. Now, we're all sons and daughters of God, but in the unique sense to the Jewish people, this is the divine man. Is it a mystery? Absolutely. Can I figure it out? Not totally. But somehow, human nature without sin and the divine essence, number two of the Trinity, are joined together for eternity, including resurrection. I don't know how you do that with God, but he chose to do it, which means mankind has been remarkably exalted. By the way, it struck me, this is the unique doctrine of Christianity. No other religion teaches any such thing. Oh, they have avatars and they have appearances, but not a combination of God and man, permanent, elite, eternal, and also the savior of the world to deal with our sin. Usually we try to deal with our own sin, our own way, some way, try to tip the scales with the universe, you know, and make it into the cosmic nirvana. Doesn't work that way. It's unique. And, and the fact that people think they're all the same just reveals ignorance, not truth. They're not the same. Even those revealed religion. You know, there's a difference between natural religion and revealed religion. I don't have time for it today. I'm just telling you there's a difference. Revealed religions, they're not the same either with the unique Christian gospel. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. The mystery, your first point is the mystery of the incarnation. The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. That is amazing that God has sent his son into the world to be Savior and Lord, to rescue us, to reckon. Oh, I don't want to give the next point yet. What is the next point? The necessity of reconciliation. The necessity of reconciliation. 
unique also, that we are reconciled to God. Here's what the scripture tells us in the book of um, Romans chapter 5, verse 10. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Can I just park on that for a second? Sometimes we go, well, not me. I know church people with that attitude, not me. I've got it all lined up. Really? I've been doing this for quite a long time, brothers and sisters, and I still don't have it all lined up. Can I confess? Well, they're all saying, thank God he's retiring. <laughs> Here we thought we had a real pastor. We're all in the process, right? We are, and none of us have it all together. But look at where God says we started. I could have brought my book, John Stott, The Cross of Christ, and read from that again for like the 20th time that I have. God loved us even while he hated us. Does that make sense? See, I didn't get a huge enthusiastic amen on that because I'm not sure you're... No, wait, I don't think we're convinced. I don't think we're convinced that we are... Yeah, because of our sin and rebellion against his holiness. I, I ponder this a lot because I, I am, it burdens me, it weighs on me that in our culture today, preaching the gospel has gotten so hard because we're not convinced of anything. And who are you to tell me? And everybody's opinion's the same and all of that. And They're not, but that's beside the point. The fact is... It's a reflection that we are full of ourselves and we're quite stiff-necked. Have you noticed? I don't want to change my mind. That's your prerogative. But God says we started out as enemies. While we were enemies, and here's the good news of that verse. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. If that's true, in other words, God didn't wait for the human race to say, please come down, we're so messed up, help us out. He saw that that was true already. We didn't need to say it. And he sends his son into the world, gives his son. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting, not stay enemies, perish, but have everlasting life. God did that when he saw we were a mess and we were still going, hmm. Now, if that's true, then having been reconciled, won't we be completely saved? If he came to rescue us when we were enemies, once we are reconciled, isn't he going to save us to the uttermost, as Hebrew says? The, the end product is set. That's called eternal security, which is a biblical concept. All right? The problem we have is, we, well, I met an awful lot of people. They don't act like Christian. I don't know how they could know that they're eternally secure. That's because we're giving out free eternal security cards to people who haven't been born again yet. Sometimes. The necessity that was easier for me to say there. The necessity, let me fix my teeth, hold on. Okay, the necessity of reconciliation. We need to be reconciled to God. Listen to this, verse one of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Lord of the Newborn King. Peace on earth, mercy mild. What's next? See how you remember that? God and sinners reconciled. How absolutely necessary we need to be reconciled. In other words, 
If he came for us when we were enemies, how much more is our assurance settled? If you haven't seen um, George C. Scott as Scrooge, I recommend it. I do highly recommend it. And what you need to keep in mind when you watch it is, that's me. That codger, that crotchety old guy who says to his nephew, I'm wishing you a Merry Christmas, and he goes, goodbye. <laughs> you know, like, get lost. You're wasting my time. When he has his epiphany, we all need that continually. There's a little Scrooge in all of us, right? There just is. The necessity of reconciliation. Now, the next one. We don't talk about this, so I'm, I'm probably going to park on a little... Um, Theological education. Imputation. How many songs have you sung about imputation? Probably none. <laughs> this one implies it. Doesn't use the word, but it implies it. I'm going to explain the word to us in a minute, but here's where it is. In verse 4 of Hark the Angel, uh, Herald Angels Sing, it says, Adam's likeness, well, actually, let me back up a little bit. I'll have to repeat this one. Can I repeat this one later again? I'm going to do it anyway, so. We didn't sing this verse, by the way. We didn't. We did not. Uh-oh. Well, okay, brother. I'll see myself out. Uh, yes. <laughs> what verse am I on here? <laughs> come, desire of nations, come. Fix in us thy humble home. Rise the woman's conquering seed. That's Jesus, the, the seed of the woman. Predicted in Eve, right? In Genesis, fulfilled in Mary. That's what we're celebrating. Rise the woman's conquering seed. Bruise in us the serpent's head. Huh? Adam's likeness, now we face. Stamp thine image in its place. Imputation. Second Adam from above, reinstate us in thy love. What a phenomenal verse. Phenomenal. Fix in us your humble home. Bruise in us the serpent's head. Adam's likeness now we face. Stamp your image in its place. When you look upon us, when God looks upon the human race, there are sons of Adam, sons and daughters of Adam, and sons and daughters of Jesus. Right? Well, that's how we ended up in trouble because we literally came from him, but also, and oh, I know, scientific, nobody believes that. Well, it happened. Imputation. A broad concept finding its theological center in the atonement. The Latin imputare literally means to reckon. To reckon something to one's, one's account. Remember, Abraham couldn't believe what God was promising him. You're going to have a son, and from your son, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Anybody remember that? It's in Genesis 12. And then he goes, what? what? And God says... Uh, I'm going to do this. Your children will be like the stars of the heavens. And it says, Abraham believed God and God reckoned it to him as righteousness. Imputed. In other words, you believe me. Yes, I do. Bam, stamped, imputed. 
But there's more to it. In the New Testament, Christians are said to receive the alien righteousness of God. It has nothing to do with politics. Alien means foreign. It's foreign to us. We're fallen human beings. Jesus' perfect righteousness is foreign to us. And his alien righteousness has been stamped on us. When God sees his children, he sees the righteousness of Christ in you. Doesn't mean he doesn't see your warts and your weaknesses and where you're naughty. People are being naughty. He sees it. But you have the righteousness of Christ stamped upon you. You can go to heaven, go to the gates. You know all the jokes about arriving at the pearly gates. It's a lot of them lately. And uh, anyway, you can present your own righteousness. Good luck. Or you can have stamped on you the alien righteousness of Jesus Christ, the guarantee. So you see, that's why as believers, we, we can victoriously enjoy peace with God. Even when we stumble, we know his forgiveness is available and we are settled because imputation has happened. Okay. Just as God reckoned Abraham as righteous because of his belief, so the Lord does not impute the iniquity to those who are blessed, according to the Psalms, over and over and over. It's a divine judicial act that God does on our behalf, not based on human merit at all. So we have, and for those of you who are not aware of it, there are two reasons that we are counted as sinners and enemies. One is because we are. We're really good at it. But also because we come from one who settled issues for... It's like getting an injection of DNA that goes down through every generation. We actually are standing under the imputed sin account of Adam. Now, we don't like that. That sounds unjust. But we do like it when God imputes Jesus' righteousness to us. That part we like. So imputation is a concept, and that is what is revealed, I think, underlying Wesley's words when he says... Adam's likeness now a face. Cover that up and stamp the righteousness of Jesus on me. Uh, as I'm carrying on here this morning, are you sitting here today saying, I don't know if that's true for me? Because if you are, I'm pleading with you. I know every Sunday everybody just leaves. Come and receive Jesus. He will stamp his righteousness on your life and settle it once and for all. Well, what if I make a mistake later? Welcome to the club! All right, that was from the dictionary, Evangelical Dictionary of Theology, an article by R.K. Johnson. I know you were so amazed by that, but anyway. It's really cool, isn't it? He stamps on us the righteousness of Christ. That was the benefit of imputation. We don't talk about it much, but it is in the scripture. It's in the book of Romans. Did I read it yet? No. I should give you a verse, shouldn't I? What's wrong with me? For as though the one man's, as through the one man's disobedience, who's that? Adam. Many were made sinners. It happened. Can't get around it. Even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. And Paul uses in Romans the word imputation. Okay. So that's where it is. Okay. Next one. The blessing. So... Let me pause for a second. That is a legal factor, a legal truth before God. That is established. 
It has nothing to do with how you feel. It has very little to do even right now, this part of it, with how you're living or what have you. It's an established fact. But God's salvation didn't stop with just, okay, he's recorded, he'll make it to heaven, and then he leaves you in your mess. I know sometimes it looks that way. But he doesn't leave us in a mess. So the next one is the blessing of, anybody want to guess what the R is? Dudes! This is why I was never hired as the Bible teacher over here. I'd have never. I'd have, everybody would have gotten an A and they didn't learn. Yeah, anyway. Hey. The blessing of regeneration. It's more than just a legal transformation, more than a legal transaction. It's a transformational action. So, verse 3. How much of this truth is wrapped up in heart? I think this is probably one of the strongest gospel preaching carols that we have. What verse? Verse 3. Hail the heaven-born prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. Lighten life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man. How clear can it be? How much clearer? Born that man no more may die. Jesus is the one who taught us. If you're born once, yes. We're all born once. Born only once, you die. If you're born twice, then you will live. That's what regeneration is. What Jesus talked about being born again. He confounded a spiritual leader of his day. I hope you saw the chosen. You know Nicodemus was dumbfounded, right? You must be born again. Except a man or woman be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. That's what regeneration is, new birth. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. I know some Christian factions hate the word new birth or have you been born again because it sounds like we're trying to evangelize them, which we are. Only if they haven't been born again. I don't care what your denominational stripe is. Do you really believe only Baptists are going to be in heaven? You know the jokes, right? Wait a minute. What did I miss? What did I miss? Lord, I hope not. He said it, not me. All you people watching by television, I didn't say that. The guy shows up. I got two heaven stories for you today. One, you know, you show up in heaven and... and uh, going by different rooms and you know there's the baptists and there's those and the, all these different groups you know and they they weren't expecting you anyway so anyhow uh, i'll flesh that out a little more look at the scripture here in titus chapter three it's one that uh, i i kind of love personally but when the kindness of god our what savior. savior and his love for mankind hey christmas is about a savior they don't think they need to be saved. They do. Christians don't think they need to get saved again. They need to get born again again. As, uh, what's his name? Keller put it in his book, The Prodigal God, which I highly recommend. Before I exit, I'll put another plug in for it. When the kindness of our God and Savior and his love for mankind appeared... 
He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness. I don't know how to make it any more clear than what that says. How many people think, well, and you're trying to witness to somebody. Tell them you need Jesus in your life. And they, well, first let me, I got to stop this. I got to stop smoking dope. I got you know, if I could just clean this up. You're never going to get cleaned up enough. What are you doing? It's not on the basis of D. De- Listen, if you give your life to him, he'll clean you up if you let him. I got that witness. I hear you. He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. And what was the sealant? The washing of regeneration, the renewing by the Holy Spirit. What a great verse. More than legality. It's reality. It's transformation. The new birth that Jesus talked about a lot. I was thinking about all this... uh, fun we're having with COVID tests and everything else, right? And, and how even law enforcement has changed ever since the discoveries of DNA. If we, you know, I've talked about if we could just have spiritual glasses that look into the other realm. First of all, as soon as I put them on, I'd be seeing angels and demons right here fighting over your souls. And after I fainted and came to again, I would be able to see what God is doing, what his angels have been commanded to do, etc. You get what I'm getting? Maybe, maybe even like uh, if I had those glasses, I'd be able to see the glow of the Holy Spirit in some of us and the fuzzy glow of not-so-Holy Spirits, whatever it might be. Imagine if we scientifically got to a point where we could assess Spiritual DNA. And you could take a sample and say, this guy's got that God thing going on in him, the Holy Spirit. This is a Jesus freak. He's been hiding it, but guess what we just found out? It's in your DNA. S-DNA. Spiritual DNA, okay? Can you imagine? But there's a real change that happens in the life of the Christian that is different from everyone else. It's real. It's transformational. There's one more. The privilege of, what do you think the F is? You know, that's a great answer, but that's not it. Formation. Or you could use sanctification. But I thought if I put sanctification up there, it's like, that's so theological, it sounds so boring. You know, we hate hearing about sanctification. It means that we're holy, yes, we're positionally holy, and then God wants us to be holy. All right, we heard enough of that from you, Hawkeye, over the last eight years. Shut up. I can't. Formation. It's a privilege. It's not just the duty. Oh, I got to make the donuts, you know. Go do that. I got to get holy. I got to study my Bible this morning. (sighs) It's a privilege. Verse 4. I already read it to you. I'm going to just touch it one more time. Come desire nations come. Fix in us your humble home. Fix in us now. Rise the woman's conquering seed, bruise in us the serpent's head. Adam's likeness now efface, not just with imputation, but start effacing my old man Scrooge now and let Jesus' image replace it. Let me look more like him. Stamp your image in its place. Second Adam from above. That's Jesus, by the way. He's called the second Adam because he's the father of a whole new race. Got it? 
the kingdom people. Reinstate us in thy love. When I'm living in Jesus, his love, the greatest of these is... Sounds like something out of the Bible. So I'm transformed and I become more like Christ actually. I haven't arrived. I've admitted that 20 times today, right? Well, maybe three times. But the point is, we don't arrive. But I'm, I would rather be where I am now than when I started. Oh, my goodness. I think back and went, oh, my God. I could tell you stories. It's amazing she's still with me. I needed to grow, become godly, right? Get in the process. Here's what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3. You laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the, the image of the one who created him. We're going to look more like him. We're never going to arrive. You get that, right? We don't become God, but we look like him. Oh, I, I can never get around it. It's in the paper regularly. Did anybody see that the captive Anabaptists got home from Haiti? Remember, the, there were a bunch of Anabaptist missionaries. What is it about those people? It's like they take the Bible seriously or something. So they were kidnapped by a gang, and they finally get released, and they offer the gospel to these people, and witness to them and tell them of God's love and say, and by the way, we freely forgive you. Amen. Sounds just like the typical people. I rub shoulders. I'm sure we would act just like that after we shot them. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But am I getting the point across? Why is it so trans? Why does it make the, it still makes the news. People, their mouths drop open. What? The shooting in the black church in, in uh, South Carolina. Same thing. Living like Christians. Transformation, the privilege, the privilege of getting that kind of attention. Not that we do it for that, but because it does get attention when we're like Jesus. How cool is that? So there's the facts, ma'am. Nothing but the facts. No gooey stuff. No animal tales keeping time with the drummer boy. Just the facts. The gospel facts. How fun is that? Jesus came from heaven, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Have you trusted him? I have said it before, I'm going to remind you, God does not have any grandchildren. You're not going to inherit it because your mother prayed like crazy. You're not going to do it because your father was a minister. You can't inherit it. You get diseases that way, but you don't get the gospel that way. There are no grandchildren with God, only his direct children, those who have been born from above. I'm asking you today, are you sure? So I'm going to... And, and are these gospel truths happening? You have imputation. Do you also have formation, transformation? Is it manifesting? So now I'm going to tell you the best poem in the world. I've had this for a long time. It's really corny. I don't do this very often, but I just feel poetic today. Best poem in the world. So here it is. I was shocked, confused, bewildered 
as I entered heaven's door. Not by the beauty of it all, nor the lights or its decor. But it was the folks in heaven who made me sputter and gasp. The thieves, the liars, the sinners, the alcoholics, the trash. Ooh. Nobody would admit they think that. There stood the kid from seventh grade who swiped my lunch money twice. Hardened criminal. Next to him was my old neighbor who never said anything nice. Any of you got any of them? Herb, who I always thought was rotting away in hell, was sitting pretty on cloud nine, looking incredibly well. <laughs> Reminds me of Gary Larson. I wish I brought a magazine, you know, sitting on. I nudged Jesus. What's the deal? I would love to hear your take. How'd all these sinners get up here? God must have made a mistake. And why is everyone so quiet, so somber? Give me a clue. Hush, child, he said. They're all in shock. No one thought they'd be seeing you. <laughs> oh, ow. Oh, ow. I see hallelujah right here. Let's pray. We rejoice in this season, Lord, but we would rejoice more if even one, one, and this is what you call us, sinner, would come to repentance and know Jesus as Savior, even today or in this season, Lord. Search them out. Pour your grace into their hearts. You love us and want to rescue us, and you have proven yourself in my life and many in this room to be more real than the air I'm breathing. So, Lord, we pray, giving you thanks and praise for sending your Son as a Savior and Lord who rescues to the uttermost those who have put their trust in him. Bless the season. Put your angelic warriors around your people. Keep us in your grace. We'll thank you for it. In the great name of Jesus and all of God's people said, amen, amen and amen.